What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of We Run This. I'm Chris Lominati, and my guest this week is Brooks runner CJ Albertson. CJ's one of those guys that just like loves to wake up and give himself crazy challenges. In the middle of the pandemic last year, with all the races shut down, CJ just woke up one day and just decided to try to break the uh, 50K world record. Well, it took him 125 laps in the soaking wet rain, but he set the record on his first official attempt. And then about a week later, he decided to move things inside, and CJ ran a two-hour and nine-minute marathon on a treadmill, which is also a world record. I mean, with all of the insane things that he does, it makes complete sense that his favorite expression is, running is easy which I call him out for immediately. But he makes good points about why, for a person like him, running is easy. So again, CJ got bored, and he decided to try another attempt at the record books, except this is not quite an official record. He was unofficially going for a Peloton treadmill record. Uh, He wanted to get to the top of the leaderboard on as many Peloton classes as he could in one month. And uh, on February 24th, he did it. Uh, He logged on to his final class. He got his 57th first place ranking on the leaderboard for the month. And in total, he ran 340.59 miles on a treadmill just in the month. And that's not counting, you know, all of his outdoor runs and other stuff. So, yeah, CJ's a guy that once he puts his mind to something, he's pretty much going to do it. And you could tell by our talk that he's uh, he's got no shortage of confidence when it comes to uh, his running. So in this episode, uh, CJ and I discuss his world record attempts both on the track and the treadmill and his ability to just kind of wake up and set his mind to achieving crazy things. Uh, we talk about a whole bunch of different stuff and it's a, it's a really good conversation. So uh, check it out and I uh, hope you enjoy Here's C.J. Albertson. We're back, everybody, and I am here with C.J. Albertson. C.J., how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm actually sitting on my treadmill right now. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but this is my office, so. Wait, okay, so that's your treadmill. So behind you is the is the TV that you watch when you're on your treadmill? No, so this is actually the we'll get all the way, the Peloton screen. So the Pelot the treadmill comes with this massive like 32-inch monitor. Okay. Which I guess you could call a TV. Um, but yeah, so that's a screen that's right in front of your face when you're running that the instructors are yelling at you on. Uh, I gotcha. And I, how yeah. do you do you like the Peloton? Uh, yeah, the, the treadmill, that's why I got it. Um, this was actually the only month I, I actually had the subscription for the classes, but I got it for the actual treadmill itself. Uh, it's a slotted belt treadmill. So it's a little bit, the, the deck doesn't bounce up and down like a normal treadmill. You're kind of like bouncing. Um, so it's a lot quieter and smoother and more of like a traditional, like feeling like you're running on a road. Cause you're not like bouncing. It's just, it's almost like a track, like a track surface. So I like it. Um, I think it's well built and it's held up so far. And um, yeah. 
<laughs> See, that that's something that I would never think of. So me being the like just side runner or the casual runner, if I was going to go buy a treadmill for my house, I would just go buy a treadmill. Like I wouldn't think, okay, what's going to be the best for me? But you were actually like you did your due diligence because you're an actual professional runner that you have to know what's best for you. Yeah, and it, it's a lot of it's personal preference. I just, I did not like treadmills at all. Uh, this past summer, we had, there was a bunch of wildfires here in California. And so it was just smoky every day. Um, and I was using friends' treadmills and just calling people, hey, you have a treadmill? And it's like, okay, I'm a, I'm a professional runner. I should probably get myself, myself a treadmill. Uh, but I just really did not like treadmills at all. And my friend actually had a Peloton and I'm like, I actually don't hate this. It's kind of nice. It's smooth. Like, it feels like I'm actually running. It's, you know, it's big, it's, it's wide, it's longer. Um, so you just feel more at ease with it. And so I was like, I, I, I don't hate this. I guess I'll get it. <laughs> and now, I mean, I do enjoy it. So it's a nice treadmill, but um, I mean, running outside is usually better if it's not we don't yeah. have snow here so <laughs> yeah people always will choose or mostly choose outside but what didn't you like about treadmills in general like just boring or well um yeah they're still kind of boring but i don't know just like the way you feel on them i just always felt awkward um they're just like like the sound annoys me like the like thud 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 mm. uh like this the peloton the deck doesn't move um it, it's just stable and what's supporting you is the the thick belt so it you don't have that banging up and down. Um, and I don't know, I just didn't really like treadmills, partly because I just never ran on them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I think it's funny. I, have... I think it's funny you had to borrow friends' treadmills by going to their house. Like, did you hang out afterwards or did you just use the treadmill and leave? Well, sometimes they weren't even home. They're just like, oh, I'll leave the garage open or leave the back door open or whatever, leave the key under the mat, and then, uh, yeah, chill up and run and go home. <laughs> Well, are, are these actual other runners or do they just people with treadmills? Uh, one, well, one of them was, yeah, she, she was a runner. Um, and the other one is just, just my friend that, that has a treadmill. <laughs> That's gotta be a weird experience. Like you're in someone else's house, they're not there and you're just running on their treadmill. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you gotta, you have to have a certain level of friendship, but, uh, you know, for that not to be weird, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think very few things are weird. So I have a, I have a high tolerance for, oh, this is weird. I just, I'm just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I host another podcast uh, and it's about professional wrestling. And I do this thing where I ask them these like really weird, quick questions. And one of the <laughs> questions that I always ask them that I'm going to ask you now is um, what's the weirdest thing anyone's ever done at your house? Done at my house? Yeah. Uh, Wow, I have no, I have no idea. Um, I would ask the weirdest thing you've ever done at someone's house, but we know that's run on a treadmill. <laughs> well, at my current house, not anything weird because we've only lived here a year, but I'm trying to think of just in general. And it had to be something in college mm. that I probably don't even know about, to be honest. <laughs> it's one of the weirdest, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, things happen in college that just, People are always doing crazy stuff. I remember my roommates would, this isn't really weird, but maybe it is. They they would bury beer bottles under, like they dig, like they bury them. So apparently there's beer bottles all buried in our backyard, I, I guess. I don't know. I never actually. Was there a reason behind it? They just wanted, they thought it'd be funny? 
I don't know. I think they did it once or maybe twice, and then it just became like a tradition. I don't know. So I've, maybe if someone goes digs in that backyard, there's hundreds of beer bottles. I don't really know. I don't even know if I saw them there. It was kind of like my last year I was there, and I was in the process of moving out. But I don't know. Maybe it's a legend. Maybe there's – who knows what's down there. That's pretty funny. Now I want to go dig up all those beer bottles. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was doing some research on you before the interview. And I saw one thing that I immediately want to talk about. Uh, your favorite quote is running is easy. Yeah. That's total bullshit. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I don't even know if it's a quote because I just kind of say it and made it up. So I guess my own quote. I'm sure if other people have said it though. But yeah, it's more just a mindset. Uh, obviously, for most people, running isn't easy. But if you want to be good, that's kind of the mindset you have to have. So uh, when I started marathon running, somewhere along the lines, like during training, it was probably during a hard session, but I just kind of developed this running is easy motto. Um, actually, maybe I introduced it when I was coaching, like telling my athletes, uh, you know, like if you've ever gone to a race or, or watched one on TV or just seen people running a marathon, they just look terrible usually. I mean, some of the top guys will look really good, but most people are just, you know, the, you just, you can tell they're in a world of hurt, but like, if you want to run good, like you need to look like those front guys that look great. Like that's how you're going to run fast. Even if you're hurting inside, it, it's the same for everybody. It hurts, running's hard. It's, it's, you know, it's not an easy thing, but you develop that mindset that no, this is easy. Like my body was made to do this. Like I've trained, I can run. And then you just get that kind of like confident attitude that you can do anything. And it's like, no, it, it, it's hard for you. Like if we ran together or if we raced together, yeah, it, running's hard for you, but it's easy for me. So like, Obviously, I'm going to destroy you, like, because, you know, everything's easy for me. So it's just that that mindset that you sometimes you have to trick yourself into it because you have those days where, yeah, I mean, running, running sucks. It's hard. But uh, the more you can, uh, I don't know, maybe psychologically trick yourself or just get in that competitive kind of almost arrogant mindset. That's just like I can, you know, it may be hard for you, but it's not hard for me. Are you familiar with Alex Hutchinson? He wrote the book Indoor. Yeah. I haven't read that book, but I, I've read tons of tons of his art, articles and stuff. Well, I recently just had him on the podcast and we were talking about because how he came up with the entire idea for the book, it actually happened years before he wrote it. But when he was a, a runner in college, he was running a race and the official timekeeper like screwed up the time and was telling him that he was actually running faster than he really was. So in his mind, he thought he was running faster. And he actually ran his best time because like, even though it was the legit time was correct, like his legit time was correct. So in his mind, yeah. he thought he was running better than he really was. And it made him run better. So we got to talking about like how much of running is mental. So how much of running do you think is mental? Uh, it's definitely, there's definitely a combination. Like, like mental is a huge aspect, but there's also a physical component. I mean, obviously there's a physical component. So I think sometimes people can go too far. Oh, running's mental. So if I'm doing bad, like that's my fault. It's I'm mentally, I'm weak, but it's like, well, that, that may be not the case. Like you're slowing down because your lactate levels are super high and it doesn't matter what your mental state is. You're going to slow down. Like, that's just, that's just how it is. So, so there's a balance there. Like, yeah. Um, I would say, some people say, oh, it's like running is like 50% mental. I'd say once you actually get to the race, 90% at least of it is physical. But then that last five to 
that's where your mental comes in when you're trying to get the most out of yourself. Now in training, you know, getting to that point up to the race, then maybe it is 50-50 mental because all the things that have to go in to be to consistently train, I mean, it's it's just it's just grueling and it's just a lot of consistent dedication that's not always fun. And that mentally can just be taxing, boring, a lot of hard work. I mean, all those things. But once you get into the actual race, um, really you should be shutting your mind off. You don't want your mind thinking anything. If you can just be a blank robot that just lets the machinery run, that's when you're going to run fast. Do you have any tips for being able to clear your mind like that? Uh, I mean, there's gonna, different things are going to work for different people. Some people may listen to music or uh, recite chants like mantras. Um, some people just, they can just, they're blind, they're, their mind can literally go blank. Um, I like to err on the competitive side. So just get in the flow of the race, get around competitors, and you're only focused on beating people. So, so I'm not focused on what I'm feeling. I'm not focused on my pain. I'm not focused on how I can't breathe or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on this guy's in front of me or this guy's right with me. I'm going to stay with him. And then at some point in the race, I'm going to go by him and beat him. Um, and the, the more you're focused on that, the less you're focused on how much running sucks, how much you're going to die, how much your legs may break, you know, all those things that creep into your mind. Uh, you're just not even, they don't even get to enter. Um, when coronavirus hit, I read online that you took some time off from running. Now, actual time off for runners and actual time off for people, <laughs> different things. Like we've had, I've had people on the show that are like, I took time off. I only ran like a hundred miles a week. And they're just like, okay, that's not really time off, dude. That's just kind of, you're not running as much. So did you take legitimate time off? Like, did you stop completely running or did you just run less? Yeah, no, it was, it was running less. Uh, I'm, after the Olympic trials, I had a few weeks of like not running at all. So that would be considered time off. But then the rest, um, you know, for about four months or so, I was just running less. So running like 40 to 60 miles a week. So still a lot for a normal person, but, you know, a lot less for me. Mm -hmm. So when you do take time off uh, like that, when you get back into training for something competitive, is it harder to get your body back into it or is it harder to get your mind back into it? Um, well, so this is another thing where you, you kind of have to know yourself. Like for me, if I'm running less, um, but I'm still running a little bit, I, I stay in relatively good shape. So like, I, I just don't get that out of shape, even compared with other professional runners. Um, and I've always been like that from high school, from college. I just, my baseline is just a little bit higher, um, which is, is good in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's frustrating because then I like, it's like, I feel like I should improve so much more. And then I put in all this work and I, I just improve a little bit. And it's like, you know, but, um, but yeah, so when I'm, I get back into a race, usually my physical, that comes back pretty quickly. Uh, which again, it's just, I don't know why it just does. And then mentally, um, usually I'm able to engage pretty quickly. Like once, once there's a big race that I sign up for, it's kind of like, okay, like I'm back, I'm ready to train because there's, there's this race, but it has to be within a certain time frame. Like I've, I've noticed I can't really get mentally in it if I'm more than 12 weeks out. So if it's like, if the race is in like six months, yeah, I'm just not going to be mentally like, it's going to be a struggle. Um, but right around the 12 week range, you know, about three months ago, then I'm like, I'm, I'm dialed in focus and it's, it gets a lot easier. I can just bang out 120 mile weeks 
do a bunch of hard workouts, hard runs, and um, and I feel like I feel mentally fresh for the most part. So after you took the time off, you decided to try and break the record for the 50K. Mm-hmm. Now, you just said that you need something competitive, but close. Like when you decided to break the record, did you know when you wanted to do it? Like, did you time it so it's like, all right, let's make it like 12 weeks out or something? Uh. <laughs> Yeah, that one, that one, okay, that one was harder for me to get mentally prepared for. Partly, this is, I don't know how it makes not sound arrogant, but partly I just thought I would break the record even if I wasn't in great shape. So there wasn't like this, uh, you know, you don't have that drive. When it's something you know you can do, uh-huh. you just, it's, I, you know, I guess the, the just the hunger wasn't there to achieve thing, something I've never done before because I felt like I could have done it before. So, yeah, there were some mental struggles with that. And my training wasn't really all that great, but it was, an, I knew what I needed to do. And obviously I got it done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that one was mentally harder, but I did have a race. They had set up the marathon project and that ended up being six weeks after the 50K. So it worked out good because about two to three, two to three weeks before the 50K, then I was like, okay, I'm within 10 weeks of my goal race. Like now I'm dialed in. Mm-hmm. And so I really only had like, I mean, I had done good training, but I really only had a couple weeks leading up to that 50K where I was like dead set, like really good training. Um, but it, I mean, it was enough for, for, for that. You, you seem like, like you're super confident, but you seem like you're kind of embarrassed that you're confident. Like just, I could tell by the way, like where did the- no, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed. I just know how people perceive things sometimes. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really find hardly anyone cocky. I just think like they're confident and it's funny, but you know, some people like, cause I could, I could say things that I know people would feel, like, especially in the running world. I think because in the running world, it's different. Like in other sports, you can, you can talk a little louder and it, that's just how athletes talk for whatever reason, running is more like this, like, I don't know. It's like this weird thing where like anything you say is somehow like cocky. It's like, no, I just believe in what I do. Like I'm, yeah, I'm good, but that's because I'm good. Like I, you know, I can say that. <laughs> so it's just, uh, yeah. So I was kind of saying that I'm not personally embarrassed, but I, I don't want people to think I'm arrogant because you know I, I want to be, um, like I'm I, I want to be personable and, and someone that you can approach and talk to. Uh, but but yeah, I'm 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 confident. Um, most of the time, I have my mental struggles, like everyone, I think. Uh-huh. But yeah, but so yeah, I'm not embarrassed that I'm confident. It's a necessary trait that you need, especially in athletics, but really in any aspect of life. Where, where does that come from? Were you confident as a kid? Um, I think, I don't, I guess so. Uh, I, I mean, I had, I was always fairly good at sports growing up um, and, and academics, I guess, as well. I guess whatever I did, I was usually fairly good at it. So I guess that helps with your confidence if you have decent levels of success mm-hmm. um I mean I've had I've definitely had like mental doubts and you know some depression and stuff too where like I wasn't necessarily didn't necessarily doubt my skills I just like doubted my mind like who am I like what like I'm just not I don't know you know you just have weird thoughts that don't make sense mm-hmm. um but for the most part I feel like I believed in what I could do uh just in an athletic sense or a career sense whatever I'm trying to do I've always had at least a good amount of self-efficacy that, that I could get it done and achieve what I want to. 
Has there ever been anything that you achieved that you were like, wow, I didn't think I had that in me? <laughs> no, uh, not that I can think of. No. I mean, because it. I'm not trying to bait you here. Like, it yeah, seems no, like no, I'm no. going to bait you, but. Yeah, but I think, like, I think, well, another trait I think a lot of people have to have is like, you got to be a little bit crazy and almost unrealistic at times. Like, I've always believed, even since I was young, like, I was just going to be great, like, one of like the world's best. Um, which I knew logically like wasn't realistic. So I'm like, I know like that's a one in a million thing. Um, like I, I get the statistic, like I was like, you know, a, a very logical kid, even when I was young. So like, I knew the statistics of how many kids go pro, all that stuff, but I'm like, but I still think it's gonna happen. Like I'm gonna do it. And even when I had some struggles, like in college, I had a few years where I ran, you know, pretty bad, like I was, like one of the slowest people on our team for a few years. Like I wasn't, I just wasn't that great. Like I was not anywhere near like just an average, average to below average D1 runner, which, you know, is better than the general population, obviously, but not like one of the best in the world. So it's like, but that thought was still in my mind. I'm like, this is such an illogical thought. I know it's an illogical thought, but if I'm one of the best in the world one day, I'm not going to be surprised because I just always have this, or this voice in my head that just says this is what's going to happen and I still don't think I'm quite at that point yet but I'm like way closer than I've ever been um and yeah I, I kind of have those similar voices with anything I do you know you just have high goals that I don't necessarily set they just my brain just comes up with them and that's what they are <laughs> okay so how did your brain come up with breaking the 50k record uh I, well, I had run some, I've run 50 Ks in practice before, and I had come pretty close to setting the record or maybe even setting the record in practice. So I knew I could do it. And then it, it yeah. So then I was just like, well, there's nothing to do because we're all have COVID and there's no races. So I'm just going to make it an official event where I have witnesses and timers hmm. and actually do what I, I think I can do. Um, cause I think I've done it on the track before in a workout. Um, I just, cause then I, when I got home, I looked up cause I was like, that's pretty fast. I wonder what the 50 K record is. And then I looked it up. I'm like, that's about what I ran today. So if I ever want to, I guess I could set the 50 K record. And then, so that turned into last November. <laughs> You're like, uh, I guess if I'm not doing anything, I might set a world record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of is what happened. I guess there's nothing really going on Tuesday. So if I check Tuesday, maybe I might break that record. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> yeah. I've, that's what I've done unofficially on the treadmill. There's like <laughs> the treadmill records, like I don't, I'm not into verifying those or anything. I just, people just kind of put, I don't really know how they keep track of those, but if you Google it, there's records on there. So I've, yeah, like the marathon one and the 50K one, I've gotten those on the treadmill <laughs> all unofficially. So, you know, I can't say I have them, but. Well, let's go back to the official one. So to do that, you had to run 125 laps around the track. To me, that sounds like just, I mean, I'd rather just be shot, I think. So how do you get through? I mean, we talked about the mental already, but just the repetition of running a lap over and over, like, how do you mentally prepare for that? Yeah, it is, that's a common question that everyone seems to ask I, I just don't think of it in terms of laps um you know I'm just running so like whatever you're doing um 
it, you're doing that thing no matter where you're at. So like, yeah, like you could be running on the road, but it does that change the way your legs move or how you're breathing? Like, not really. It's all the same. You're running. Mm -hmm. So just because I'm on a track, like, I guess mentally I'm thinking like, oh, I have 124 more left. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have 123 left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would probably like, you could easily just be like, this is so like, what am I doing? But I didn't even look at the lap count. Um, I just thought of it in terms of miles because that's what I usually think about in races or like halfway points or whatever. So it didn't really, I, I, I didn't even really think about the laps. Mm. When you, me. when you did the indoor record, you had people running with you to pace. Like how do you convince somebody to run with you to do that? So the indoor record, those weren't, those were just racers. So we were just racing. Um, and they were pacers for me because I didn't want to lead. I just sat behind them. <laughs> for, the, for the outdoor one, yeah, the 50K, uh, I did get pacers. Um, I convinced them because I knew them. <laughs> one was my brother-in-law. So I just called him and said, hey, you want to come hang out at our house? And uh, That's not hanging out at your house. Um, You're running. That's not, that's... Well, and then run 20 miles. Because we'll, we'll go. I mean, when we go hang out, like if I go visit him and his family, then we'll go out on a long run together and go run you know 20 24 miles so like we Wait. do that anyway so now it's just on a track back up how does that happen how do you go to his house to hang out and then it just turns into a 24 mile run well no, so he's he's so he's ran 214 in the marathon so he's a pretty you know he's he's a really good runner too um so so yeah we'll go and we know like if we're going on the weekend like sundays are like typically when we do a long run Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty common. Like most, most runners will do their long run sometimes on the weekend, either Saturday or Sunday. So like, Oh, Sunday, like, what are you doing for your long run? Um, yeah, I'm doing 20, whatever. And so like, we'll hang out for the weekend and then Sunday morning we go run, you know, it's not like a casual, like, Oh, like, Hey, you want to come over and watch the game? Yeah. Let's run 20 miles first though. Like it's not exactly like that, but yeah, most of our family trips, there's a lot of running <laughs> within that. I guess I guess if you do it so much, you kind of get used to it. But for me, like if I go on a long run, like um, not too long ago with friends, I went and we did 15 miles. But like the after that, like I don't want to hang out with anybody. Like we all went to our separate houses. Like how do you how do you then want to hang out with people? Like I'd want to be left alone for a couple hours. Yeah, we're yeah we're not doing uh we're not like having fun after we after we do a long run. It's just we go back we have breakfast and just kind of sit around and talk. There's not a lot of like, yeah, we're not going out, like going on a hike. Uh, we're not doing much of anything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're, it's the same thing. We're just kind of sitting around and I'm pretty, I'm usually tired after my long runs too. So like on Sundays, like if someone wants to do something Sunday afternoon, like unless they're inviting me over for dinner and I can just sit and eat, like I'm probably not going to do it. Because <laughs> Uh, you're married. Is your wife a runner? Uh, yeah. So she ran in college. Uh, we met at Arizona State. Um, mm -hmm. So that's how we met. We got married. Um, she actually ran at the Olympic trials with me last year. Um, and then since then, she hasn't been running as much. She, uh, she just started her career as a nurse. So since she's transitioned into, you know, full-time nursing, she, she runs a little bit on her off days, but it's, it's a lot different than, you know, her competitive days. Right, but she understands the life. Like, so when, so oh, when you're yeah. like, I'm going to be gone for the next couple hours to go run, like, she gets that. She gets it unless I don't tell her. So sometimes, like, when I'm not seriously trained, like, when I'm just kind of, like, in those days where I'm running less, 
every once in a while I'll feel like running longer. So like it could be a Wednesday or something. Like one time I was just going out for what I thought was going to be maybe a normal run. Like on a, I think it was a Wednesday. So normally that'd be maybe like an hour, hour and 20 minute run. And I was gone for about four hours or three and a half hours. Cause I ran like 33 miles or something. And she was upset because I didn't tell her I was going to be gone that long. And she started to worry about me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just felt like running more. <laughs> I want number one. I totally understand where she's coming from. I get that. But number two, what is it with, I, I don't understand. Like there's a certain level of runner and a lot of the people that I've talked to on the podcast, like they don't get obsessed with like tracking things. They don't bring things with them. They don't like, they just go out and they run and they don't care about the miles. Like what is it about runners that you just don't give a crap about that anymore? Uh, no, we, well, we, I mean, I do like, I track my stuff. It's just sometimes. And, and when I'm training, seriously, I'm tracking things a little bit more and like, but I also just, I feel like you're also kind of at your best when, when your body just wants to do things, you just, you just do it and so I mean you have to have some balance there you can't you got to have some level of control every once in a while but that's what keeps running fun for me is like if I feel like just running for as long as I want or as long as I feel like that day and it turns out to be 35 miles then I'm going to run 35 miles because because you're not going to feel like that all the time I mean mm. it's just not that fun you know I'm not going to run 30 miles every day but <laughs> um but yeah so it's just you got to have that balance of you have a, a schedule you know that you're following but then also you kind of just got to do what's fun and what you want to do sometimes you know so it's like cheat days you you, you know you, you follow your diet for the most part but you gotta live and eat some good food and just go at it every once in a while are you big on cheat days yeah i don't um i i like i mean i control my eating and obviously i try to have a, a good diet but i also What's nice about running is when you're not in peak shape, it's, I think it's actually health, or at least I've convinced myself that it's healthy to be at a heavier weight. So I'll eat a lot and not really watch my eating and, and I'll get to about like eight to pound, 10 pounds heavier than my, you know, ideal race weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just helps because when you're really competing, your body weight or, or your body fat is pretty low. Um, and you're just real lean and, and don't have a lot of extra energy. Um, and that's good for racing, but over the long period of time, like your hormones, like testosterone growth hormone, like cortisol levels, all that, it's just, it doesn't function super well when you're like really, really lean and exerting high amounts of calories and not necessarily eating a ton. So, so I think when you balance that out by having a few months where you are at a heavier weight, you do have a higher energy intake and a little bit less output. Um, I just, I think it balances things out and gives you a little bit more longevity. Um, and it's certainly easier mentally for me because I've, in the past, I've tried to stay at a lower weight all year and physically I felt just, I, well, I didn't run good, but mentally I was, I, I definitely had some sort of, I wouldn't, I won't call it an eating disorder, but it, there was some disordered eating patterns. Like I was thinking about it way too much. Uh, it was stressful and like mentally like it it definitely wasn't healthy um so now it's like there's a little bit more balance within the seasons of where i'm at um and once obviously when i'm like within that six to 12 weeks of a race i got to make some decisions um about you know what i can and can't do but it's a little bit easier because i'm like super focused so i'm like i'm not the cookie doesn't seem as good because like i want to go like 
win this race and make a lot of money or whatever. You know, like you, you have your goals that you get pumped up for. So the other things don't matter as much. When you were thinking about the eating, you and you said you're the thoughts, was it that like you would eat terribly and then you'd be mad about it? Or was it more like you were thinking about what you wanted to eat? Um, a little bit of both more. I, I remember in college just thinking like, yeah, thinking about what I was going to eat. And it was like, I was always thinking about the foods like, like, or like, oh, I'm going to go to this event and there's going to be this food there that I'm not going to want to eat. And like, so how am I going to like, try to not be hungry when I go there so I don't eat this food or how, how am I going to avoid it? Like, it was like, just like, which every once in a while is fine. Like, you know, you may have some goals and be like, okay, I know I'm going to go to this Super Bowl part or whatever. I'm going to go to this like function and there's going to be food. Maybe I bring my, my own thing beforehand. Like, but if you're doing that all the time, it just like, you just, it's not healthy. Uh, and, and yeah, it was just like a very, stressful thing like I was always thinking like I couldn't even like like I'd look at a burrito and be like oh like why why are they eating this burrito instead of that type of burrito like this is just you know it's just like it doesn't matter like I mean it matters a little bit like I'm, I'm super into nutrition and like the all the like I know all the knowledge about it but at the end of the day like it doesn't matter that much as long as you have some balance I do this so I won't judge you if you do this too <laughs> I won't say I won't judge you as bad but do you sometimes punish yourself with runs for the bad things have you eaten? Um, not, no, not really. So in, in, well, not really anymore because I run, like when I'm training, I'm running so much. I really can't, like I'm trying to run as much as I can anyway. So I can't really do that. It's actually the, if I eat too much, my, my stomach will be like messed up. And so it's actually harder to run. Mm -hmm. But in college, I remember like overeating or something and I'd like, feel like I had to like bike more or do some type of cross training to like burn the calories. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like a, a time when, you know, it was, but so it's just a good and a bad, like if you're, if you don't exercise at all and you punish yourself by exercising, so you actually are exercising the recommended amount, then that's probably a good punishment because you're just actually doing what you're supposed to be doing anyways. But for someone that's already exercising a few hours a day, that's not a, probably not a good strategy yeah okay so you're saying what i do is wrong <laughs> i mean i don't know if it, if it all the time yeah it's really just your mental but like if you feel better after you work out after you're eating bad then it's fine but like some people will feel bad and then feel like they have to work out a workout they, they feel bad the whole workout too and then like afterwards you don't feel any better after the work like like i wouldn't feel any better after the workout. i still feel like Oh, I still got to make it up. But if you feel satisfied after the workout, like, all right, we're good. We're even mm -hmm. then cool. Do that. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Seems, Yeah. I tend to shit talk myself in the middle of the run. So what I'll do is like, if I'm in the middle of the run and I'm not running as well as I want to be, I'll be like, you had to have that, those four slices of pizza last night, didn't you? And I like shit talk myself in that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and yeah, it's whatever motivates you to. And there could be some truth. Like if you eat bad, it does affect your workout. So it's like, yeah. it's not like it's untrue. So it's just whatever, whatever's going to, in the end, bring positivity for you, then do that. And everyone's different. And it's coaching is the same way. Like sometimes when you coach someone, like you got to yell at them and, and almost like not bring them down, but like your words may like seem demeaning to someone else, but it's like, that's what they respond to. 
So like they love that. Like if you say, oh, why are you eating that pizza? You know, get your act here. Like maybe you respond positively to that. Mm. Someone else that may like ruin their whole life. I mean, you know, they may just be in shambles from hearing that. So you, you got to know yourself. And then if you're a coach, you have to know your athletes. Like what do they respond to? What, how, what type of, uh, you know, feedback or motivation am I going to give them versus just yelling the same thing at everybody that's people are going to respond totally different. How, how old are the people are, how old are the people that you're coaching? Well, so I, so in, I coach at a community college, so they're mainly like 18 to 20. Mm-hmm. Um, I also coach online, but that's more online. It's different. You know, I'm not like yelling out during workouts it's, it's, right. and workouts and stuff, but yeah, my, my team is about 18 to 20. When you're talking to them, I mean, because they're not much younger than you. Yeah. But you're kind of like, I mean, is there kind of a mutual because you're not that much different in age or is, are they kind of harder to get through to because they're still kind of young? Um, yeah, I mean, there's more of a mutual. I mean, we're definitely like, yeah, they're not much younger than me. Um, I mean, we are like, we are different, but I feel like it's... Um, yeah, I mean, and they're all different too. Because even like a, you know, like a 19-year-old, like two 19-year-olds can be in totally different spots in terms of maturity or just like how they view life. So mm-hmm. it, it, you get a huge range, really. Even though they're roughly the same age, it's like, it's totally different. <laughs> would would uh, 19-year-old CJ have listened to 27-year-old CJ? Um. Probably. I mean, yeah, I think so. I, I, I feel like, yeah, because I'm not super like, uh, I'm not like a my way or the highway coach. So like, I'm more like if, if 19 year old TJ like had thoughts, like, it's like, hey, like, why are we doing this? Or like, should we like, maybe like, should we do this? Like, would whatever, like, and we're going to have a conversation. Like, you know, if an athlete like, doesn't understand why we're doing something or feels like they'd be better if they did something else, then we talk about it. Like, they still may end up doing the way I suggested, but maybe I do tweak it to make them uh, feel better about the workout. And that goes back to that mental part. You can do, there's so many different workouts you can do and, and a lot of them accomplish basically the same thing. So it's, you need to feel mentally good about it and, and feel like, oh, this is a good workout for me. If, if you don't feel like the workout's good for you, it doesn't really matter if it is or isn't. You've already decided that this isn't what I should be doing. So what's the point of even doing it? So. Yeah, I'm always willing to have those conversations. Most of, most of, like 95% of the times they just, they don't have a problem, they just go and run. But if someone like does like question or something, then then we just talk about it. And um, I, I like those conversations because that's how I was. I always not question authority, but I, I just wanted to know why. And I really like diving into why are we doing this? Has um, coaching younger people changed anything about your approach to running? Um, well, I think it definitely, I feel like I'm a better runner after beginning coaching. Um, and that, that running is easy thing. I feel like did a lot of that came from coaching because I just, I saw like, I saw like the hard, like when I saw my athletes, like really, like I could see it on their face, like they were struggling. I'm like, okay, like that's good. But then I'm, then I'm thinking like, what is the end goal? Like, do we want to just like feel pain or do we want to run faster or, and like beat people? And like the end goal is to like run faster and beat people. Like that's, 
what it is. Like obviously you're pushing yourself the hardest you can. Like that's personally satisfying, but it's a sport. We want to win. So I'm thinking like, okay. So I started telling them like, I don't like, I trust you. Like I trust you're giving as much as you can. So you don't need to show me. I don't need to like see you have this pain face and struggling. Like I'm just going to accept that you're giving a hundred percent effort. Like, cause, cause you're competitive. I just believe that I knew you want to win. So I'm just going to accept you're trying hard. So now your goal is to run as fast as you can and to run as fast as you can, you need to be relaxed. You need to like try to be, have like a, almost a smile or something like you got to trick yourself into thinking running is easy and have that confidence while you run and you got to look good. I always tell everybody like when I was in high school, I remember telling our team and I would tell myself this, you got to run like your crush, whatever girl you like is like right there watching you the whole time. Or if you run by like a group of like pretty girls, like, you know, you're going to be young, like you're, you're going to be looking good. You're not going to be, like, you know, so like run, like, you know, whoever you want to impress, they're there watching you and you got to look good. Um, so like things like that, when I started coaching, I'm like, okay, I got to tell myself that now when I'm in like 20 miles into a marathon and I feel terrible, I got to, I just tell myself, okay, running is easy. Like, this is what I tell my athletes. Like, I got to look good. Like, all these people need to know I'm the best, so I got to look good. And I'm just, so I find myself saying all the stuff I tell them, I tell myself. And then I can see what they do and what everyone does as to what, like, limits us or hinders us. And then I, I see how I'm doing that in myself and try to try to stop myself from doing that. Um. Going back to the 50K record, uh, I was reading, uh, they did a feature view on Runner's World and it said that during the middle of it, it started to rain and you considered taking your socks and shoes off and running the last 27 miles barefoot. Is that legit? No, no, no. So it started raining. It was raining right at the start. Okay. And so when it was raining, it was raining hard enough that my shoes were getting all like squishy. So my socks were like, I was kind of slipping around in my shoes. Like, if you ever, have you ever had that feeling? Where yes. It's like, I was just so annoying. And I'm just thinking, if I had to do this for another 27 miles, like, I had that sensation of I just wanted to take my shoes and throw them off because I was just so annoying uh -huh. just sliding around. I mean, luckily, the, the, you know, the rain kind of stopped and mm -hmm. my feet dried out uh, a little bit. And so it was better. But I wasn't actually ever going to take my shoes off. But you just had, you know, like, when you have an itch or, like, you have, like, a, I don't know, like something's on your shirt and you just want to rip it off. It just had that sensation, like, get this off of me. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously, I, I probably would have felt terrible if I ran barefoot for 27 miles. But have you ever run? Have you ever do you ever run barefoot? Yeah, I'm actually trying to incorporate that more now. Um, I haven't ran barefoot like in, in a while. Um, I did a, a few like two mile runs on my treadmill barefoot just to kind of ease back into it. But uh in high school, I remember I used to do a little bit more barefoot running. Um, never a ton, but just on the infield, I'd run for like three miles on the grass. Um, I think it, it's it's definitely good. It's hard for people to do because our our foot strength, our foot and ankle strength, just from wearing shoes our whole life, most people's feet and ankles like aren't really that strong. So if you go run barefoot, you really can't do much more than like a mile, even if that, because it's just like you're gonna your your feet are gonna be everywhere. It's just gonna put a lot of stress on your on your because your feet aren't absorbing force like they're supposed to they're quite over pronating all this stuff so like it's, it's really 
you, you have to start really, really small with the amount of barefoot running that you do. But in theory, barefoot running is great. It's just no one, I mean, if you try to do it after like 30, 40 years of life in shoes, it's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit too late. Um, yeah. Is there any like record or anything involved in running that you look at and you're just like, that's just crazy. I would never try that never try it um or you could never think to attempt that um they're like the some of the ultra records are just like the 24 hour ultra record it's that's what pace is it i think it's seven but i don't know if this is right i think it's 737 per mile pace or something that's like a legit run for 24 hours i'm just like that's a long time to run. It's like 180 miles or something in 24 hours. Mm. Um, that one's pretty crazy. And I just don't really think I'd ever want to do it. It's so like 50K is like, okay, three, two, two and a half hours, three hours, but 24 hours of running or anything. They have like week record. They have all these crazy ones. Like who wants to run for a week? Like this is, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess the older ones are fine. I, I just recently talked to Nick Willis, and he's done 19 consecutive years of a sub four. And to me, that's mind boggling, just the sub four itself. But like, so he's a little bit younger than me. And just going out there right now and trying to run that, it just <laughs> like it made my whole body hurt <laughs> thinking about that. Yeah, no, that's super impressive. I mean, the yeah, the longevity to be able to run, just just run at such a high level for so long is mm. is really cool. Especially for the, it especially for the speed events. I mean, it's just hard to stay fast for mm. for that long. You know, because as you age, like your endurance doesn't go as much. Like people can be, you know, good marathoners and good ultra marathoners up, you know, until they're like forty or even beyond that. But like. 1500 like uh, having that speed i mean you don't see like 40 year old sprinters it's just mm -hmm. i mean it's very rare uh, yeah it's because it just it, your body just doesn't work like that anymore yeah so it, yeah it's super impressive what he's done and there's been a few others like bernard lagat had ran pretty fast up until like 43 and then i think it was like 45 at the olympic trials he ran the marathon and i beat him luckily i, I thought he honestly i thought he'd be I'd be at 40, but the other the guy that was third was 42 or 41 he was in his 40s mm -hmm. and he was third place he's going to the olympics it's like <laughs> it's crazy that, that's why i'm both like grateful and resentful of when i do races and there's age brackets because it's good <laughs> because i'm only compared to the people my age but then it's bad because when i look at the finishes i'm like oh my god that dude's my age and he blew my doors off yeah, it's no, yeah, it's it's good. I hope to, I hope to be like that. Like, I hope I'm fast when I'm 50. I feel like, I don't know. I, I think everyone likes to think they'll age well, but mm. I feel like I'm aging well. So when I'm 50, I'll be still running good. And yeah, but you seem like you seem like you're going to be 50 and trying to do what you're doing at 20 in your 20s. Probably, I yeah, because I have to. I'm like a very. I don't find hardly any enjoyment at just doing things like the way no, like people normally do them so like if I just go out on a run like right like I'm not trying to be competitive I'm just going out on a run like I mean it's it's just not really that fun um so I don't see 
I like as I get older, like if I'm gonna continue running, which I will, like it has to, I have to just keep creating talent. Like this Peloton talent is just like I just like I'll just keep doing weird stuff because that's the only way I can have fun. So yeah, when I'm older, I mean who knows what I'll just I'll be limited by my age, of course, but I'll still find like or I'll at least want to beat the high school kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Or like when my our kids, gosh, the day my kids can beat me, it's just gonna Looks like you're already broken up about it. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm just trying, like, because if I could, yeah. Well, one, I want to, I would, if they do run, I mean, who knows what they'll do. But if they do run, I'd want them to be good. So it's like, you should beat your dad. But but I'm not, it's not going to make it easy. So I've done the math of, like, when I think what they could run a mile in when they're, like, certain ages. And then, okay, if I have kids at this age, I'll be, like, 40-something. Could I run a 4-16 mile? I've already been doing it and. So what you're telling me is you're training, you're putting in your mind to train to be able to beat your kids at certain ages. Yeah, like I've, I've, I've definitely already thought about it and I don't even have kids yet, but I, I have ideas of what it takes and what they would possibly run. And yeah. And then I also like my community college athletes, I always want to be able to run with them and beat them too. Cause I'm just not good at like, losing so even even if it's not a race like i'm, I'm hopping in a workout with them because i'll run some of their workouts if they're faster than me and like i'm trying to run with them and i can't like man that's gonna really mess with me mentally like i don't know i'll probably go through some sort of a midlife crisis where i'll have to like reevaluate you know my life but it's gonna like it's just i don't know i mean that's how i it, it'll just be funny but yeah. well, this is what i want you to do when this interview is over i want you to is your wife home yeah Okay. Yeah, yeah. I want you to go in the other room and I want you to say, honey, look, I was crunching the numbers and <laughs> we're going to have a kid. We have to have it at this time because I want to be able to beat it uh, at racing when I'm in my 40s. So we have to have a baby within the next year or so, so that my yeah. math works out. And I just want to know what she says. I think we've talked about it before, so she won't be surprised at all. But... The baby part, not the race part, right? <laughs> no, no. I think we've talked about both. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait. So you thought sure I don't want my kids to beat me. Like so you thought your wife of conception, but she knows I I we definitely talked about like when my kids 16, like I want to still be able to to beat them. Like like we've definitely had lots of these conversations. So when your kid is born, like the training's really gonna start. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hopefully I get I've heard like you get some dad strength, so I'm I'm hoping that'll kick in too but <laughs> uh i have uh, so i have two kids um i the dad strength yeah that does kind of kick in the competitiveness kicks in a little bit but there's like this i don't know i, I have this thing and i'm sure I, you're probably not going to have it because i can tell from our conversation that you're not going to have it so like um him and i will play street hockey a lot and like i'm beating him but he's doing really well and then he'll start beating me and i start thinking to myself now, do I want to come back and beat him or do I want to let him win this one? Like just one, just to see kind of like, I, I, I always go back and forth. Like, should I just compete, keep beating him until he can beat me? Or should yeah. I just let him have that little sliver of win just to see? I would, I would, I assume I will give them a little sliver of they were close. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not just going to go all out and dust them every time, but but they're not, they're probably not ever going to win. It was just like, you got, close. you got closer to dad. You know, you were, you were there. You saw me. 
so I should let him lose by like one goal. Yeah, yeah, he scores a few goals. Yeah, you can't shut him out every time. But I, I never beat my dad at anything growing up. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Well, no, I mean, eventually I got, I just got better than him. But mm-hmm. I don't, I'm sure he let me beat him at stuff, mm-hmm. but not that I remember. Um, and I'm sure he let me score a few points. Like it, he made it close enough that it was actually fun. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, I always he beat me. And then I remember like the day I beat him at foosball because it's the last time we ever played because once he really, well, I think I beat him a few times. And then once it was like, I was solidified myself as I'm going to win almost every time. I, he didn't really like to play. <laughs> Same with ping pong. I started winning in ping pong and I don't know, he just never wanted to play anymore. I had to play my brother. <laughs> no, so- but yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I also like, I played, a lot. I mean, he would never, yeah, he only played me and I played everybody, but um but yeah, I feel like that's how it'll be. I'll be similar to my dad. But I liked that growing up. Like, because you know how satisfying it was when I started beating him at just in, even a board game? Mm-hmm. It was very satisfying. I mean, I felt like the king when I won in foosball. So I mean, you're yeah. you're talking to the guy who my dad and I used to miniature golf all the time. I beat him <laughs> once. I saved the scorecard. I'm pretty sure I still have it to this day. Like he was just really good at mini golf. And like this one time, and I know he didn't let me win. Like it was obvious when he was letting me win, he was not letting me win. And I, I beat him by one stroke and I saved the card. And then I, I don't know, we, we probably might've gone miniature golfing after that, but I don't, I don't remember ever beating him again. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but that makes it fun. So I feel like that's, that's part of the, you know, and I'll, yeah, I mean, who knows what it would be. I don't know how to be a dad, but. you'll figure it out trust me (laughs) so before we get into the whole before we get to your dad thing like let's talk about what are you training for now like what are you working towards now uh i'm trying to trying to find things but so for merit there's not a lot of big marathons until the fall so pretty Mm -hmm. much everything in the spring and summer has been canceled uh or at least they're they're not having big things um i've reached out to a couple places but they're just not going to work out so I'm, I'm hoping to run a marathon in the fall, like a big one, hopefully, hopefully Boston, because um, that will be on my birthday, which it will, that will be the only time in history it'll ever happen on my birthday, because it's, it, Boston's always in April, mm-hmm. so this is the one year they're moving back, it'll be in October, so this is like literally a once in a lifetime thing, so I'm hoping that things work out, I'll be able to run Boston, um, so that'll be in October, short term though, um, not exactly sure yet. Probably some like smaller races. Um, probably I, I, at some point I want to run a fast track race, so like a like a ten k. Um, so I'll just kind of look at that and try to find a good race. Um, there's some fairly fast track races in California, so I'll probably just pick one and do a little bit more of like speed based training. Um, and in that should if I do some speed stuff now in the in the spring and early summer then that will kind of set me up for a good marathon in the in the fall and tell everybody before you go where they can find you online and find out more about you uh, yeah so i'm on strava that's a big running thing um just cj albertson and then instagram's just cj albertson everything i have is literally just cj albertson so it's good that you got to be like a lot of people we have on it's just like you, their name is like uh yeah you got to do an underscore and then like an amulet and then like three periods and yeah i guess there's not a lot of cj albertson so i can just put my name and it's easy. <laughs> so, so, yeah. you got lucky 
Well, CJ, thanks. I, I, had, I had a blast talking to you. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Nice talking with you. Hey, 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 hey.